The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. When you listen to like Life After Death, Listen to Ready to Die, you talking about a whole different raw style of, of, of hip-hop that is, that is a lost art or rare, or only a couple of us have the code, you know? It's art. It's like a Basquiat. Basquiat's not here. Nobody did what he did. He has paintings that sell for 200 million. Like a Biggie verse, listening to a Biggie verse, you feel like you're listening to something that value is going up. As things get more watered down, the purity and the rawness of that album, of both those albums, go up. But that Life After Death album, that's when he's at his greatest. You're actually hearing somebody like at their, at, at, at their greatest as a performer, as an MC. You actually have to ask yourself after listening to this album, can it, get in, can it get better? That's the main question everybody wonders. Could it have gotten even better? And that's the question we'll never know the answer to. And that's one of the saddest parts. Welcome to The Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews. Presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and The Crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast, Classic Music Reviews. Presented by IV Creative, it's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me, I have the crew once again. First up, you know him well. He is the host and creator of the Raw Sex Podcast each and every Friday. Make sure y'all are checking that out and are subscribed. I'm talking about none other than Cousin Damo, a.k.a. Dominique Marks. Make sure y'all are following the Raw Sex Podcast on IG, Raw Sex Podcast, and on Twitter, Raw Sex Podcast 1. He has great takes on his social media. And of course, we got great episodes over there, y'all. So shout out to the Raw Sex Podcast and Cousin Damo. And with us as well is my man JL here in the place to be. Fellas, thank y'all for joining me here today, and guess what? We made it. We finally made it. We are at episode number 100. So clap it up just a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) We made it, y'all. Episode number 100. Now, of course, we've been over 100 total episodes, but this is number 100, and a very special one indeed. So first, we want to stop and thank all of the listeners out there, stateside and worldwide, like we do every episode, but a very special thank you for all of y'all for rocking with us for these past two and a half years. This podcast just started just as an idea between four friends, and it's turned into something bigger than I ever thought it would even be. So we appreciate y'all for rocking with us, for spreading the word, for sharing amongst your friends, for liking on social media, for everything. So thank you all for everything that you do and everything that you continue to do and keep spreading the word so that we can continue opening the vault for many years to come. 
So we're actually going to go back to 1997, March 25th, 1997, and the second and final live album by Notorious B.I.G., a.k.a. Biggie, a.k.a. Biggie Smalls, Life After Death, released on Bad Boy and Arista Records. It was a double album, so two CDs, um, and it was released 16 days after his death. It was a runtime total of 120 minutes and 39 seconds. The producers on this, executive producers, you know, Mark Pitts and, of course, Diddy Combs. The other producers on this, Biggie did some production, but the majority of the production done by the Hitman, the Hitman, the likes of Carlos Six July Brody, Nashi Myrick, Stevie J, D-Dot, Angelique, they also Buckwild, Clark Kent, DJ Premier, Easy Mo B, Havoc, Deron Jones, KG, and RZA all produced tracks on this. Really an all-star cast of producers who produced Life After Death 16 days after Biggie died. Now, this had quite a bit of success. It had was nominated for a few Grammys at the 1998 Grammys. In 2020, the album was ranked on Rolling Stone's magazine, the 500 Greatest Albums at number 179. And this was an album afterwards that, you know, had a, I was number one on the rap charts and held that for a couple of weeks. Um, the guest stars on here, along with the producers, it featured Mace, The Locks, 112, Diddy as well, Jay-Z, Angela Wimbush, Too Short, Carl Thomas, Lil' Kim, Bone Thugs and Harmony, and then, of course, R. Kelly. Two CDs for Life After Death. This is right after, you know, Biggie had just passed away two weeks ago. His funeral was right around this time. Hypnotized had come out as a single, and it was a huge single, not just based on the marriage of Biggie's death, but because it was the first single that Biggie put out in almost two years. So people were really looking forward to this a whole lot. The production on this, the guest spots, really something a lot of folks were really looking forward to. We'll get into it, guys, looking at life after death. First thoughts and reflections. I'll go ahead and I'll start with you, Damo. Let us know, man, what you thought about Life After Death when it came out and, uh, you know, just some of the things and memories you remember about it, like on the aftermath right after being it was so close to Biggie's death. 97, 97. It's 83, 14. Oh, yeah, these, this, this is actually one of my first albums that I had to buy a couple of times because my mother threw it away. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow threw it away she threw and that joint in the trash huh? and as if y'all don't know if y'all haven't listened to your the vault the relics of the tape cassette yeah you know you were running to go get the tape so i had the tape first she threw the tape away <laughs> and i'm in i'm in my boom like what the hell am i what the hell am i doing at mm-hmm. i look Joan in the trash. I said, what in the world? You listening to that filth? <laughs> <laughs> so this is around the time when she realizing, you know, I'm a teenage boy now and I'm about to listen to what the hell I want to listen to. I'm that Joan. I was like, hold on. You can't be throwing this. The world wrong with you. And he did. How you going to throw this Joan away? So mm-hmm. and she called my father. Your son up here listening to that hippity hop. <laughs> 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 and the worst thing is, I, I mean, and, I'm, and I'm, the funny thing is, I'm like, yo, he ain't even saying that. I've heard you say way worse. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we throwing this cassette in the trash. We got to be throwing you in the trash, too. Because you're <laughs> saying way worse. 
this thing on cassette. Hey, that's wild, dog. That's wild. But, but you know, uh, it come out, and you know, of course, you know, we all anticipating it because you know he just died. So it's like you know. We wasn't ready for posthumous albums like the way it is now, where everybody died and they dropping albums after albums, mm-hmm. and you like, hey, you you thinking really like, yo, this is the last music that we ever going to hear from him. Mm-hmm. So it's like, man, I got to talk, I got to get the joke, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So you know, getting it, it's just right off the rip. You like, oh yeah, yeah, this is the one right here, and it was a double CD. Yeah. A double tape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 yeah, 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 man. Jay, what about you, man? Your first thoughts and life after death, man, and how that, you know, drew into the whole part of the fact that Biggie was gone, but, you know, that we had this album from that came out right after he was gone. Yeah, man, I guess I might go to the opposite spectrum of Don because my mother actually is the one that bought me the joint oh, on damn. tape. <laughs> okay, here we go. Right. Here we go. Like, <laughs> right, you know what I'm saying? Like, she knew, like, of course, I was, like, really into hip hop then, and then that's all me and my people were talking about was, like, you know what I'm saying? He gone, like, and I don't know if you, I'm pretty sure you remember, like, leading up to that, he kept saying, March 25th, you're going to see March 25th, March 25th. Like, mm-hmm. it was all this hype built up before, obviously, he was murdered. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? It comes out, listen to the joint, and it's like, you're not listening to it in the same way, like, you know what I'm saying? The probably new artist comes out, you like, oh, man, what's he going to spit? It's like, he's spitting all this, these bars, and like, damn, he's gone. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And then, it, like, um, with somebody's got to die, even starts off like a somber, like, gangster joint, like, man, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, just the way he starts the joint off, and then, like, mm-hmm. and of course, like, he was getting big radio play, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, the joint, Fuck You Tonight by R. Kelly, that, well, Loving You Tonight was the radio version, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, like, that it was getting all this playing on the radio. Yeah. So, what? I said that radio version version went hard too. Yeah, it did. It, it, like, did. it did. It did. It did. Yeah. Nah, you know, sometimes, like, sometimes radio versions be like, oh nah. We just yeah. Hell. Right there. Yeah, yeah, that show right there was it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so like, nah. So like, you know, what I'm saying, riding the car, my mother listened to that joint. Like, vibes to the joint. She was like, this is all over the place. He's dead now. Like, I guess mm-hmm. like, like you said, like the whole thing of like not being ready for like posthumous releases. Like, mm-hmm. he's blowing up and this and that, and he's gone. He's dead and gone. So like. She understood the effect too and everything like that, but going on into the album, I mean, definitely brought he brought his A game. Yeah. But then, like fast forward to now, I'm just thinking about it. I mean, still holds up. But then looking at it with an older mindset, and I hope nobody takes this like a diss or critique. But at the same time, I don't believe the album would have been as big had he not been murdered. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like mm-hmm. just that mystique of him being gone, and then the other things adding to that mystique of him being gone, all the influence he's had, and then like everything leading up to his murder. I don't know if you've seen it on YouTube, but, like, there's actually video footage of the last party, the, of that party he was at when he got murdered. Yeah. Yeah. There's actual, like, pictures of, like, you know what I'm saying, like, inside uh, inside his funeral, we see Big Late in the casket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That just continues to add to that mystique, like, dang, like, he's gone, and we just now getting all this footage years later, and then all the theories and everything leading up to his murder, and then mm-hmm. for this album to come out, and, of course, being called Life After Death, like... Exactly. I don't want to say like it was the perfect promotion, but it did actually benefit the sales of the album. You know what I'm saying? It did. And the thing is, is that what folks had to understand is the Life After Death title was basically a follow-up from Ready to Die. You know, like even the album itself started off as if after Suicidal Thoughts, that track was the last track on Ready to Die. The album pretty much picks up from that, you know, from the intro. So, you know, it just so happens that 
This on the title of the album is Life After Death, and on the cover is Biggie standing next to a hearse. So the imagery right there, considering what happened just before this album came out, as you said, Jay, adds to the mystique, the mystique of the of his death, really did add to this album. And I think though you could talk about any rapper and posthumous album that they have, that it adds to the mystique, you know? Yep. So you have to say that. And the fact that it was Biggie and the fact that Biggie was the biggest rap star in the game made it even worse. So my reactions. Now, this album, I remember that I, I went out to Circuit City to go get this joint. And I went out on release day to go get this. When I'm saying that the lines were dumb long, they were dumb long. I mean, I'm talking about some, like, if you remember the Circuit City in Landover, like, you know, if you know where the, mm. over there by where the CDs were, then you get in the line where the registers, the lines right. were stretching all the way back close to, like, where the electronics, like, where the car stereos were, you know? Okay. So... We're sitting there in line, and I want to say, out of all the people that are standing in line, about 85 to 90% of the people had the album in there. Like, they people were going up and grabbing that joint so much that they had the Bamas walking out with the boxes, going in there, taking the box cutters, opening them joints up, and then putting them right back on the shelves. And as soon as they were getting on the shelves, people were grabbing them and then heading to the register. And so you hear people having these conversations like, you know, you get an album in your hand, you turn around, look at the back, see what the track listing are, see who's featured on it. People's wondering, oh, man, I wonder what this person, what this joint going to sound like. Oh, we got a joint on here with Jay-Z or a song with Bone. He got this song with Bone. I think I heard the song earlier this, you know, whatever. They played it on the mix or whatever on 95. That joint sound tight or this type of shit. The energy builds the closer you get to the register by the time you get to the register like yo i got out and tore that joint off packaging off and shit open it up and went ahead and threw that shit into my sister cd player and i listened to the rest of it as i got home and was blown away was blown away obviously because of the imagery off the intro you hear basically the end of suicidal thoughts and then uh, the hospital room with the heart monitor and big you know did he saying what he's saying and then the flat line that brings you right into somebody's gotta die. And it was just like, yo, this this shit crazy. I listened to that shit the rest of the night until it was time for me to go to bed. When I got to school the next day at Bowie, like everybody has their headphones on. And the question that everybody was asking each other when we got to school is not what are you listening to? Because that wasn't the question. Everybody wasn't like, yo, what are you listening to? What are you listening to? The question was, what track are you listening to? Because everybody knew we had Biggie shit in our... Everybody had Biggie shit that day at school. <laughs> the question wasn't, what are you listening to? It was like, what track you on? What track you listening to? What disc you on? And you get the different conversations. By the time we sat down for lunch that day, the conversations, yo, what's your, what's your favorite song on disc one? What's your favorite song on disc two? Yo, you hear J-Verse when I love the dough. Yo, you heard these mm -hmm. dude, the locks. Like, this is the first time... That's the first time I ever heard the locks on record was on Life After Death. You know what I'm saying? That helped to spawn a career that's now been 25 years plus in the making. So you start talking about that, the Bone thing, the fact that Bone was still really big during that time, and Bone had just collaborated with Biggie on a track. You never thought you would have put those two together. So all those things started coming together. And by the time you were listening to the whole album, really I was blown away because, as I mentioned, and we talked about the death of Biggie about two weeks ago, when I talked about how the elevation that Biggie had between Ready to Die and Life After Death, that Ready to Die was really him at an MC at his rawest, like really his raw form, raw and talent. But this really was taking that raw talent and sort of honing it into 
really a focused, focused like approach where it wasn't just raw lyrical ability. Biggie really jumped into his bag on this one. It wasn't just the battle raps and the shit you heard on Kick on the Kick in the Door and My Downfall and Long Kiss Goodnight, where he basically he clapped back at a lot of people because you know in between Life After Death and Ready to Die. There were a lot of people that were sort of coming at Biggie, and Biggie felt like he had to address a lot of folks. And it wasn't just the Tupac stuff. It was beef with Raekwon, a beef he had with Jeru the Damage, Nas, you know. So there were a lot of people that Biggie had to address on this joint. But then you talk about the storytelling. I mean, the storytelling that you hear off the break, off of Somebody's Gotta Die, off of Niggas Bleed, off of I Got a Story to Tell. I mean, like the shit that he did on Ten Crack Commandments and... Shit, you know, like that type of shit. Being able to fall into player type stuff like I love the dough and the world is filled. We talk, talk about something like the bag is full. Like you talk about the trick bag was full. That trick bag that Biggie had was full. And if you saw that raw talent and ability and energy on Ready to Die, what you saw on Life After Death was a focused Biggie that was utilizing all the tools within his repertoire. And it was a beautiful thing to listen to. It really was. So... Yeah, that was my response, man. Really, afterwards, it was something that when we listened to it a couple of weeks, it wasn't the, like, yo, what are you listening to? No, you know what I'm listening to, nigga. Ask me what track I'm listening to. You know what I mean? So, so that's how big the shit was, man. And, you know, that double album, it would be something where, yo, you can tr- go between the two discs and you really wouldn't get tired of it. And people stated it. it stayed in the rotation for quite a long time for so many different people. Highlights and lowlights. So I'll go ahead and start with you, Jay. We'll start just with disc one, then we'll go to disc two. So disc one, your highlights and lowlights. Disc one, well, like I said earlier, you know, somebody's got to die because you know the storytelling ability. Yeah. Um, of course, Hypnotize is a good party banger, club banger, kicking the door, just like that sample, mm-hmm. which I believe was that Primo production. Yes. And the fact, like, I found out years later, you know what I'm saying, that first bar was about Nas. I'm like, shit, like, mm-hmm. going back to your point about him addressing people. Yeah. Really, nothing I didn't like about the joint. I mean, mm-hmm. I've come, I've come to appreciate the joint. I love the dough just because, like, over the years, I got to appreciate. You know what I'm saying? The catalog of Angela Wimbush, yes, and just her vocals. Like, Absolutely. you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, what's beef? Cause just like, just like the mood of that song. Like, if I'm not mistaken, it had that. Um, it had that Judge by Twelve Carried by Six drum sample. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. and then just like the somber like melody to it. You know what I'm saying? It just makes you think of, like just on a mission like on a rainy day or say some shit like you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying you up there like plotting on your enemies or whatever but like yeah. that's the vibe I got from it yeah of course niggas bleed again with that storytelling ability I believe I got a story to tell was on the last one was on the first CD as well mm-hmm. I got a story then, to like, tell the, man <laughs> and, then, and, then, <laughs> and then the mystique behind that one as far as like, who, who I found out apparently that was really about years later yeah Anthony Mason apparently they said it was up at least yeah exactly Anthony Mason <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, and like, from what I was told, like, that's not, I mean, if you want to hang out with a dude, be ready to fight or know how to fight. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, Damn. That's wild, man. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, definitely a lot. Definitely a lot, man. Um, that I got a story to tell is definitely one of the more memorable points of that album. And of course, producing that rest in peace, Chucky Thompson and Buck Wild as well. Producing, I got a story to tell. So Damo, same with you, man, your highlights, and lowlights from the first disc. It's it's really not too many low lifes on here, with it being a, you know I think about what's beef him and Jay Z I love the dough, mm-hmm. 
shoot the introduction to the locks. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they going off on it. You could just, you just listening to them now on there. You be like, oh yeah, we should have saw it was coming. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Especially with, especially with Jada. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, oh yeah, somebody's got the, di- yeah. Like, the, it ain't really no, no low lights on that first, on that first disc. Yeah. Yeah, that that first disc to me is about as perfect. If you had for to talk about for double albums, we, like if you want to talk about as good as the first disc as anybody's had, right up there with Pac's first d- disc on All Eyes on Me. This is oh, goodness, man. Like I said, you get hit after hit after hit. The opening of Somebody's Got to Die, like that storytelling. Like to me, I think he really was in the storytelling bag between I got a story to tell, niggas bleed, and and somebody's got to die. But just being able to get that to have that take you into hypnotize, hypnotize still twenty five years later is something that yo folks in our generation we still gonna party off that. People will party to that regardless. That kick in the door with that sample by Primo and just not just the sample, the sample with the drums with the chime, like like it's just like doo 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 like. I love the way that Primo sort of brings some sort of tone into his production, whether it's a chime or a dobrell ring or something. Always make sure he brings like an extra joint. But that kick in the door, Biggie really coming after people, coming after Jay Rue, coming after Nas, like you said, Jay, coming after the roots because of the roots with what they do and everything that they said. Biggie was pissed at a lot of niggas on this shit. You know oh, what I mean? So, the same time. Yeah. yeah. So he was pissed at a lot of niggas on this shit. Obviously, you know, the last days with the locks, like I was listening to that actually before we came on and listening to all their verses, you know, Sheik and then Jada with Styles and then Biggie comes in and rips it. Um, I love the dough with Angela Wimbush. I mean, obviously, she's a legend in her own right. But then hearing Biggie and Jay go back and forth again, it's like when I hear it, it's like now, like, yo, listening to every track that Jay and Biggie did. I don't think them niggas ever missed, dog. Like, if you think about any track they did, whether it was Brooklyn's Finest, whether it was Young G's that was on, you know, Diddy and the Family with No Way Out, which to me is probably my favorite track featuring the two of them. And then this joint with I Love the Dough. Like, them, them dudes, man, I always think about, like, we talked about in that episode about the murder of Biggie. You think about what could have been. I wonder what would have happened if we would have had a Jay and Biggie collabo album had Biggie still been around, man. Like, that shit would have been bananas. Like, seriously. What's beef with that drum sample like you mentioned, Jay, and then that hook? You know, what's mm-hmm. beef? Beef is when you need two gats <sighs> to go to sleep. There's something that we can, you can sit there and think about that that stands out to you more so than anything else. Um, the storytelling on niggas bleed like that to me, like that story. And then the way that that story ends, just like, you know, <laughs> they double parked by a hydrant, stupid motherfuckers. motherfuckers. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then I got a story to tell, like putting those pictures together, putting together the evidence, like niggas literally trying to figure that what happened with that. Just like niggas tried to find out what day was ice cubes. Good day. So, you know, but then finding out, you know, obviously as well, that the person that probably was was Anthony Mason. He figured out, like, yo, one of them New York Knicks. I don't know. One of them little six, six niggas. I don't know. You know what I mean? So, uh, but yeah, not really a mess on this first disc. Awesome production on this by Stevie J, by Nasheen, by six, you know, by six July, by D Dot, you know, uh, Easy Mo B on I Love the Dough. I mean, it's just a, a really, really cohesive effort on that first disc, man. So now we'll go to the second disc. And Jay, we'll talk about your highlights and then lowlights from the second disc. Oh, highlights, I mean, of course, Notorious Thugs. Mm-hmm. Like, just even today, I think about my first reaction when I heard that joint. Like, 
and it was like a long memory. It was a long build up before like Big's verse actually dropped. Mm-hmm. And then when it changed, dropped Armed and Dangerous, ain't too many. Like, I was just like in a state of shock, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. And this one, I guess, I really can't say low lights, but maybe questionable lights. If that's okay. even the thing. Like, okay. okay. All right. Yeah, I know what um, you, I already think I know what you're about to say, but go ahead. Okay. Okay. Um, um, I'll go with my, um, you see, 10 Crack Commandments. I love that joint. Mm-hmm. Um, sky's the limit because that's more like motivation, like drinks as far as like, you trying to achieve your goals in life. So I love that one. Mm-hmm. Definitely long kiss goodnight. That mm-hmm. that shit was gangsta even for big in my opinion. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean even for like Diddy come on in just like, like talking his shit. Like yeah. I'm thinking they, they might be about his life. I mean yeah, a <laughs> long kiss um, goodnight, bro. Yeah, and just like the bars on there. I do like miss you, but like it just makes me feel even like worse now. Like cause well I was told like that's what they play like. As Big's funeral was ending, like they was playing that during they they said it wasn't a dry in the house. Wow, yeah. Um, the world is filled, of course. Like you know, what I'm saying, just smooth ass track. Um, mm-hmm. You know, about till somebody kills you. Yeah. Again, like questionable. Like I mean, it, I'm, of course, I'm gonna address the joint. Play a hater. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't even. Your ass friend. Like. Your ass friend. <laughs> you cannot tell me. You cannot tell me there wasn't no bud. Involved in that studio session, bro. Like, oh, oh yeah, I'm pretty sure they were high <laughs> shit. Him and Diddy, exactly. It had to have been right. No way. I, I ain't gonna say like no drugs, drugs. Like they, they, it had to been like some damn eighty percent THC bud or some exactly. shit they had going. Moon some, rocks, we even knew moon rocks. Chronic, were exactly. <laughs> some purple haze, some shit. Right. Like yeah, because <laughs> them niggas, yeah. Oh goodness. Especially when Diddy's drink came in. I'm like, what the yeah. fuck? Like, y'all, 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 y'all loud this time? I know he's the boss. But y'all let this happen? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Crazy, man. Yeah. Damo, w- what about you? I actually like Player Hater, for real. You said questionable, but yeah, I, I kind of I kinda dug it. I was like, that's a, it is one of my go-tos on the on yeah, show. I, 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 <laughs> like, I laugh like hell when I hear it, but I'm just saying. It is definitely one of my go-tos whenever I've gone back and listened to the album over the years. Like, oh, let me go listen to Player Hater, because, you know, he still <laughs> says, you know, the, Actually, we got to credit him for the new rappers now for singing. <laughs> when, I, when I listened to another, I said, you know what? Biggie, it's Biggie fault now. Cause that's that's funny, yeah. You know, all they sing on this show. What the hell were they thinking? What does that do bro, this show? I mean, and, and, and specifically the riffing that Diddy was doing towards the end, like... Nigga, if I was the engineer, I'd have been on the floor like that, too. Yo, that's wild, like, hey, There'd be some bottles of Chris, yeah, there'd be some... Yeah, yeah they, they, they was in that job getting lit. Just say, let's just go for it. Hey, let's just have some fun. Exactly. Probably had some Johnson in on how they used to do oh, back yeah. then. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you already know they probably had some joints in there. They probably clowned like shit. People on the other side of the, of the engineer's glass probably was dying laughing. Yeah, uh, and then they probably was like, yo, this show job, hey. Yeah. Fuck it, throw that joint on there. Throw it on there. Throw it on there. Exactly. Um. Of course, you know it's fitting him and you know Kim got the little nasty boy jump, like, mm-hmm. but that but that jump went together. So you know I can't really say, yeah, this jump really double disc wise. It really for real, really ain't no skips for real. Mm. Like it's it's like you could have this could have been another album and we probably would have been it probably been the one we would have been talking about 
down the road as well. You know what I'm saying? Like you could have the way they do now. Way oh this this was gonna be on the album, but we mm-hmm. we we he yeah, died, true. so we just took this away and then yeah. we, we gonna give this to you later. They could have probably could have did that for us mm-hmm. on this. True. Yeah. Uh, so my highlights, obviously, on t- Notorious Thugs, like, you know, to hear Bone and Biggie together was something just like, yo, I don't even know if this shit could work. But damn it, the shit worked, though. <laughs> it worked. It worked like a motherfucker. And to hear Biggie spitting like that, it was like, okay, yeah, this nigga, like I said, using every tool in his repertoire, yeah, this nigga done mad, though. He done fucking, he in his bag right now, like, for real. Like, this dude is definitely on his shit. Going back to Cali, actually, to me, is one of my favorite joints on the second joint, even though some people kind of disparage it online. But I love the fact that they they kind of redid the Going Back to Cali, which wasn't originally in an LL Cool J track from uh, Walking with a Panther. But this one, I love this version of it. And the fact that they use, you know, Roger Troutman on there to be able to, you know, they're using that, that voice synthesizer effect and everything. And, you know, hey, he did sort of say, like, Yo, I got love for the West Coast. You know what I'm saying? Regardless of whatever y'all think about me, I got love. He's like, y'all the nigga think, must thinking I'm not stop giving L.A. props. So 10 Crack Commandments. I mean, again, a primo once again, but Biggie just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just one of the most inventive songs when you talk about some, him literally going through and giving you 10 commandments of the hustling in the, in the drug game. It's um, really when you put it together, to me, I think one of his best accomplishments as a songwriter. Sky's the Limit, obviously, with 112. You love that. Love World is Filled. The Long Kiss Goodnight. Biggie was really throwing some darts on here, bro. And if you think about, like, the folks he was talking about on this, I mean, obviously, he threw some threw some shots of this on Pop. It's really crazy, though. Like, um, the, the, the shots he did on this to him, and you know he was talking about to other people. But, you know, that joint, the production by RZA, really crazy, man. The fact that the album closes on the you're nobody till somebody kills you. And that was actually featuring some vocals by Faith, from what I understand as well. is really just jarring. Now, I do have a low light on the second okay. disc, though. <clears throat> I am not a fan of another featuring Lil' Kim. Hmm. I'm not. I'm just not a fan of it at all. And then the, the hook wasn't good either. Like, you know... Biggie gave us a preview of his singing joint on this joint before he even did play a hater. And I, I wasn't a fan the, of that shit at the, all. The warm up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan of another. Um, I don't know how I feel about Nasty Boy either. You know, hmm. I mean, I think Biggie's verse on that joint was nice. But you know what I'm saying? It's just like that was another joint produced by Diddy. So it's just like, eh. I got a feeling that was something that Diddy said kind of had to throw on there. Like, I feel like a lot of the second second disc was more of Diddy's influence more than anything else. Like, I think like he was like, yo, I know we did some of this shit. You know, you know, we got to throw some of these joints on the album, Playboy, all this other shit, you know. And so I don't really know how I feel about Nasty Boy. And then like Play a Hater. I mean, it's it's a fun track. I ain't going to lie. It's, yeah. you know, it's something like I said, they probably had some chocolate. You know what I'm saying? Chocolate tie and that shit. They had some drinks and everything. They was probably having some good-ass time. But, you know, it's a fun track to listen to. But, honestly, you look at this, it's, it's basically an album, double album with 24 tracks. You're talking about maybe two question marks, you know? I mean, like, you know, some people may have some others. Like, you talk from individual to individual. They may say, oh, I wasn't feeling this track more than this one, or I've got a question mark about this. 
But really, you're only talking about maybe at a minimum, you're talking about at least at least two skips, maybe two skips. I feel like when we have reviewed double albums in the past, that sometimes you get to the point where you start getting the filler and it's like, all right, man, they could have left this shit out. Like, really? Like, I feel the way sometimes about All Eyes on Me that I felt that it could have been one disc. And if it had been one disc, it would have been so, so much better, even though it is a great album, no matter what. But this, man, you're talking about maybe minimum probably two skips, you know? So, yeah, it's really was something that, that uh, listening to it, man, was a, a playthrough. And it wasn't something that you had to feel like, yeah, oh, I don't feel like hearing this shit. Go to the next one. I don't feel like hearing this shit. Go to the next one. So, definitely. Yeah. And now, you already know what it is, man. Notable quotables. So now we get into this. Now I'll go ahead and I'll start with you, Damo. You have a notable quotable from Life After Death, one of your favorite verses or lines. Shoot, I'm going to go ahead and it's right off the rip. Somebody's got to die. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting in the crib dreaming about Lear Jets and Coops, the way salt shoots and how they sell records like Snoop. Oops, I'm interrupted by a doorbell. 352, who, who the hell is this? I get so quick, cocks my shit, stop the dogs from barking, then proceed to walk. Yeah. It's a face that I've seen before. My nigga seen, we used to sling on the 16th floor. Check it, I look deeper, I see blood on the sneakers, and his fist grip chrome four fifths, so I dip. Nigga, is you creep on you speaking? He tells me C-Rock got hit by the beacon. I opens up the door pitiful. Is he in critical? Retaliation that won't be a minimal. Cause I'm a criminal way before the rap shit, bust that gat shit, pup won't even, even know, know what, what happened. 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 <laughs> <laughs> right off the rip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That joint, that the way that the album began where somebody got to die, man. To me, I think it's one of the hardest like opening tracks to open an album, like seriously. I and mean, that story about him getting get back for his boy who got shot is something else. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, good choice, good choice. Jay, what about you? Hmm, okay, so I'm um, on Niggas Bleed. Mm-hmm. He was like, since it's on, I call my nigga Arizona Run from Tucson. Push the black Yukon. Usually had the slow grooves on. Mostly rocked the Isley. Stupid as young and chose not to move wisely. Sharper with the game. Him and his crooks caught the jokes. Heard a sweep, about 350 apiece. From board up a truck, two bricks laid in the cut. Peeps got bucked, got locked the fuck up. That's the Moran vanished, came back, speaking Spanish, lavish habits, two rings, 20 carats, he's a criminal. The nigga made America's most, killed his baby mother, brother, slit his throat. The nigga got back with toast weeded, took it to trial, beat it. Now we feel he's undefeated, he mean it. Nothing to lose, tattooed around his gun wounds, everything in the game embedded in his brain. And me, I feel the same for this money and dime, especially if my daughter crying, I ain't lying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the, the joint, the joint, yeah. nothing to lose, tattooed around his gun wounds. Yeah. Like, that's, that's yeah. just gangster. Gangster, yeah. Um, and then on the other joint, I'm on Long Kiss Goodnight, like, mm-hmm. his, uh, he was like, I'm flaming gats, aiming at these fucking maniacs, put my name in raps, what part the game is that? Like, they hustle backwards. I smoke backwards and duchies, you can't touch me, try to rush me, slugs go touchy touchy, <laughs> you bleed lovely with your spirit above me or beneath me, your whole life you live sneaky, now you rest eternally sleepy, you burn when you creep me, rest where the worms in the week be, like, yeah. that had me like, <laughs> that, that shit got dark as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh yeah. Yeah, I think he was on some shit though on that long kiss goodnight. He wanted to make sure he like ended some shit for real, for real. He was like, yo, let me go ahead and let these niggas know for one time. So my notable quotable was on the third verse of Kick in the Door. 
There he goes. This goes out for those that choose to use disrespectful views on the King of NY. Fuck that. Why try? Throw bleach in your eye. Now you're brailing it. Stash that light shit. I'm scaling it. Conscience of your nonsense in 88. Sold more powder than Johnson and Johnson. Tote steel like Bronson. Vigilante. You want to get on, son? You need to ask me. Ain't no other king in this rap thing. They siblings. Nothing but my children. One shot. They disappearing. It's ill when MCs used to be on credit shit. Took home. Ready to die. Listen. Study shit. Now that you want some money shit to sex without the blue the lightweight fragile my nine million make the white shake that's why my money never funny and you still recouping stupid 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 stupid, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but just one last one last shot out the door man when he came out you know the whole thing about you know ain't no other king in this rap thing they siblings nothing but my children one shot they disappearing it's like yeah, he, he was talking about a lot of people, though I do think a majority of kicking the door was about Nas, but I do think he was uh, trying to talk about a little bit about probably Raekwon, because, you know, Raekwon, had, he had some problems with Raekwon and Ghost about the shit that they said on Only Built for Cuban Links and everything, so, you know. and oh, I remember that skit. Yeah, that skit, you know what I'm saying? So it's... I thought that Biggie on this kick in the door shit had some fire for a lot of people, just like he did on Long Kiss Goodnight. I really think I said to me, I think that, you know, the raw Biggie you heard on Ready to Die, but on this, Life After That, though, I felt like he was polished. Final verdict. All right, y'all. So now we get to the final verdict, the test. What do we think, man? So I'll start with you, Jay. What do you think about Life After Death? Is it a certified classic, borderline classic, a classic just in this time, or not a classic at all? And, of course, how you think about it, seven, that you don't feel as strongly, and ten, that you feel very strongly about it. Sure. Certified classic, ten out of ten for me. True. Damo, what about you? I second that motion. <laughs> and I third that motion. <laughs> Certified classic, ten out of ten. Really is something when you listen to it, man, that you hear the, the polished part of Biggie and the fact that not only was he giving us hardcore raps, not only was he giving us battle shit, he was giving us club hits. You know, he was giving shit for the ladies. So, I mean, it just go ahead, goes to show you, man, literally when you see about Biggie's rap game was complete. And it really is a shame that he left us as early as he left us, man. But Life After Death, 25 years later, the double disc. Make sure y'all go listen to it. The remastered version is out there from 2014. Go listen to it. Read some of the articles and some of the stories. Obviously, as well, make sure that y'all go check out a few of these movies. City of Lives, we mentioned it in our last episode where we talked about the death of Biggie 25 years later. Also, the documentary, I Got a Story to Tell, which came out last year, that is mostly about Biggie, people who knew him, Lil C's, Boy and D-Rock, talking about not just, you know, Biggie the rapper, but, you know, Christopher Wallace the person and his mother as well. And I, you know, definitely advise that y'all go look at that. And, you know, it'll give you some perspectives that you haven't seen in so many of the other programs about Biggie that have been made since his death. So life after death, 25 years later, make sure y'all go check it out. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are checking us out on our host on Red Circle. You can also visit us on vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. You can visit the website, leave us review, listen to the episodes, leave us also a voicemail, the blue microphone in the bottom right-hand corner. You can also get to our Vault Podcast Record Club private fan community. Get there, click the link, join, answer a few questions, and you're in. And then, of course, as well, our Buy Me a Coffee, where you can monetarily support the show to make sure that we keep things going. And all you out there who want to do your own podcast, I have a course out there, the Podcast GPS. Make sure you go to vaultclassicpod.com. 
backslash podcast GPS for more information on the course. You go there, you schedule a consult with me, we get you started. I'm excited to get so many of you all started on your podcast journey. I know how to do it, and I can show you how to do the same thing that I'm doing with much success. And of course, you can find us on social media with at Vault Classic Pod on IG, at Vault Classic on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. You can search the Vault Classic Music Reviews podcast, like the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, interact with us on social media. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we'd like to remind everyone to dream big. Because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate. Because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com.